Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to episode 73 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about Runner's amnesia. <laughs> I forgot. Marathon addiction and running 50 states. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational. And let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners and welcome to episode 73. This should be a very fun episode. This is Letty and Ryan. We do weekly episodes on all things running and hello Ryan. Hello Letty. Are you ready to play Back to the Future again? Oh Back to the Future? Why? Because we're pre-recording another episode. This episode will come out on the day of the 2021 Boston Marathon Monday which is this coming Monday October 11th and at this very time I'll be running the Boston Marathon, and this time without any pressure or time predictions. I see. So to the future. Yes, to the future. So you don't have any goals for the Boston Marathon? I really don't. Instead, I will wear my camera again on race day and have fun with it because I had some awesome footage from Berlin, which I totally value having and probably will be when I'm an old lady. It's kind of like a victory lap, right? I mean, you said it yourself. <laughs> You you qualify for Boston and you get to do it. That should be your victory lap. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So what's the topic today? So as always, we want to try to pick a relevant topic. And we're going to talk about runner's amnesia, marathon addiction. And then we'll have an interview with Jim Lynch, who's a fellow runner and race director who ran 50 certified marathons in all states. Mm. And I think that's kind of relevant because if you are a runner... Likely you have heard about the terms runner's amnesia, marathon addiction, because that's what happens when you swear off the marathon during your marathon, but then you somehow magically <laughs> end up signing up for the next one, like I went with Paris right after finishing the Berlin Marathon. <laughs> so Ryan, have you heard of those terms? No. Runner's amnesia has been best described in an article on running unhealthy, by Sarah Dudek, and I'm quoting here, mechanism in our brain that allows us to suffer our way through a difficult run or event. It allows us to curse ourselves, our bodies, and our poor judgment. We can even say that we'll never run again or never do a particular race again. Our bodies hate us, our minds hate us. However, sometimes earlier, Maybe by the next morning, our brains have somehow erased the most terrible memories and recharged them so that we can laugh on how we stumbled across the finish line or how we threw up into our shoes. Suddenly, <laughs> we are amused by our terrible experience. Less than 24 hours later, we think it wasn't that bad. So we start contemplating our next event or planning a revenge. 
It's analogous to a lot of exercise where you kind of maybe in the moment or even immediately after you don't you don't uh, feel good about it, but then later you do, and it makes you want to go back and do it again. Yeah, exactly. So since we're nerds, let's talk about this phenomenon and what goes on in our brains and why this happens. So this whole notion of being in so much pain and then not remembering it. So as you know, I'm a big why asker. <laughs> yeah. So I consulted um, some studies that were published in a journal, Memory of Pain Induced by Physical Exercise. And fun facts, researchers asked 62 runners who participated in a marathon to rate their pain immediately after the race and then rate the intensity and unpleasantness of that race either three or six months later. So after the race, the runners rated their pain on an average of 5.5 on a seven-point scale. And when they were asked later on, they averaged down by 42% and had the average of 3.2. I wonder if that's only related to exercise. Well, it's, it's actually not because there is a Nobel Prize winning economist, Daniel Kahneman, who describes the difference between our experiencing self and remembering self. So he has a book and it's called Thinking Fast and Slow. And he writes that um, the question is, does it hurt now? And which that's the experiencing self or the remembering self is how was the experience as a whole? Hmm. So that takes obviously into consideration other things. For example, if you run a marathon and you have no course support and it's raining and you're cold and you're hurting, you probably have an overall worse experience than if it's a perfect running weather day and there's a lot of people cheering and you're generally more happy. So along that line of argument, are you asking a specific like your pain after the marathon? So in which case... If the marathon was otherwise miserable too, that the pain would be higher? No, I think, I think the difference about? is just that you perceive your pain. But okay, here, here's why. Here's the conclusion to all of this. According to Kahneman, while the experiencing self is quite accurate when it comes to gauging pain in the present, the remembering self significantly distorts reality. He writes that memory of pain has nothing to do with the total pain actually experienced. Instead, it's determined by the average level of pain at two points of the pain-inducing event. And that's either the worst moment and the end moment. So he calls that um, the peak end rule. Interesting. So that's interesting. And so I guess it's the, I think there's so many ways that you know, okay, you called it the experiencing self, which is the one that's in the present, and the remembering self, which is the one in the future, essentially, right? So, to use those terminologies, like, oh, that'd be, it's very interesting, because, and think, depending on all sorts of different factors, the experiencing self and remembering self probably relate to the same incident different ways. I mean, I can only, I could only, when I was reading all that, think about, as a woman that has gone through labor at the time it's happening, Good it's analogy. not pretty, it really hurts. But then, you know, if you ask me half a year later, I have this gorgeous baby in my arms and I love her so much or him, yeah. then I'm going to say, yeah, but in your head, it was kind of worth it. So the pain wasn't as bad as if you asked me in the middle of my, you know, contractions. Yeah, that, that is it. That's a great analogy. It's exactly kind of what I was thinking too is I mean, 
when you were in labor? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go when there. When you were sleeping when I was in labor? <laughs> no, I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I was kind of, I, I couldn't really think of the perfect example, but that is like a perfect example. Um, but also on the, on the flip side of that, you know, I wonder if the opposite is also true, meaning like you have some minor incident or pain, but the whole experience is really negative, then does your remembering self rate that as worse, you know? That's probably, yeah, that's a good question. But it's probably true, right? Like going back to that marathon where it's raining and you're having a crappy experience, maybe your friends ditched you, I don't know, and there's no course support. And you'd really, maybe you're going through a breakup at the same time. And that all affects your mood. So you cross that finish line, but it's dampened by the emotional pain and that you're experiencing. So maybe then you don't remember the marathon being a really great. Maybe we should get into a fight before I go out to Boston. And then we can see. Why you don't remember it as a good experience? Yeah, I want to see how that works. Yeah, it's an experiment. You're going to use yourself as an experiment? Yes. A forced fight probably won't work though. And I'll report back next Monday. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I think the, the problem is, is if you had a fight with me here, then you'd probably be happy to be in Boston. So <laughs> probably it's going to backfire you. That's but. true, too. So you're talking about like a single marathon amnesia. But what about when you your remembering self comes back? It's averaging the experience throughout the day to give you a better overall feel for the day as opposed to like the short-term pain that you experienced during the marathon. Now, would that same thing apply to averaging over a longer term? So, like, you have multiple marathons? Oh, I don't know. Now you're getting a little bit deep on me. (laughs) Then you average all the marathons together? When you average all the marathons together, then you have a marathon addiction problem. Just like our upcoming guest, Jim Lynch, who probably has a lot of amnesia and a lot of addiction to these marathons because he did run 50 marathons and that's one certified marathon in each one of the 50 states. So that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Then you should add the territories too. So then you get Puerto Rico and Guam and I don't know where else. There's probably other territories. (laughs) I think he uh, cut ties with his addiction and now he just does half marathons. But, oh, okay. But still, that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. So um, with that set, sit back, relax. Without any further ado, I am now playing the conversation I had with Jim Lynch. All right. So I'm here with Jim Lynch. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. I Thank you for having me. Of course. So for our listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and how you started running? Well, uh, uh, I'll start with the running part since that's how it all started. Uh, Back in years ago, I think it was uh, in the late 70s or early 80s, my brother found running. He was heavy. He was about 225 pounds. He had, uh, he drank and smoked and ate bad food. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said, if you do not do something about your habits, you're not going to be around long. And so he joined the YMCA in my hometown, which is Erie, Pennsylvania, a little suburb called Harbor Creek. 
and it just opened and he joined and he played around with weights that didn't quite work out for him. And then he um, saw these guys running on this oval track in the basement. So he started running and then he uh, started talking to them and they became friends. And I watched the weight fall off of him and he transformed himself from that heavy person with bad habits to having ripped abs and being a very good and fast runner. And I said at that point to myself that I want a good lifestyle like that, you know, a healthy lifestyle. And so I started running, but nothing serious until 1989. And I did my first marathon in Los Angeles and, uh, and I loved it. I got the bug right away and I never <laughs> stopped. So I've completed 101 marathons. A friend of mine and myself have our certified finishers of running a marathon in all 50 states plus D.C. And uh, we're listed, of course, on the 50 state marathon site. Uh, and uh, I stopped running marathons after the Honolulu Marathon about six years ago. And I've switched to halves, 10Ks and 5Ks, but I went to the other side and the other side is uh, being a race director. Uh, when I was living on Maui, I also had a Wednesday night running group. I was vice president of the Valley Isle Roadrunners, which is the running group out on Maui. And uh, we would put up, put on smaller races. And I just love that because running has given me so much and so many people have volunteered that I want to give back to running. Uh, I became a certified coach, our RCA running coach. And I also do, uh, do my podcast, Feel Good Running, which I started a little over two years ago. Um, and so that's, that's kind of my story and uh, where I'm at. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I mean, how you got into running and, you know, it's it's funny that your running career or your marathoning started with the LA Marathon because that was my first marathon as well. So you mentioned that you're a certified finisher and member of the 50 Marathon State Club. Can you tell us about this club by starting by telling us what that means to be a member and what that means to be a certified member? So um, I'm not completely sure on the history of the club, but I know it started from a gentleman named Steve Boone and he's based in Houston, Texas. And this was years ago that he started it. And uh, um, so you, at that time when I signed up for the 50 state marathon club, you had to have 20 marathons under your belt. I don't know what the threshold is today. Um, And it's very inexpensive and you can, you know, it's like $10 a year or something like that. Um, and so what, it, what the difference is when you start running these marathons, it's all tracked on the site. And the difference between a certified and a non-certified finisher is a certified finisher ran a sanctioned marathon that provided actual results. There's others that have, I'll give you an example, Dean Carnessis, he did 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states, 50, 50, 50. But he cannot be certified because he would just go and run the race course, the marathon course, but it wasn't 
at the time of the marathon. So you don't get a finishing time or anything like that. So that's the difference. So when you're certified, after I finished my 50 states, I had to submit proof that I ran each one of those marathons. And you can go on marathonguide.com or whatever. They go all the way back to the year 2000 with all the race results. And then um, I, I, I added my um, finisher's medal and, and all of that. And I put it in a big book and sent it to them. I can't remember exactly. I know it's like around 240th, 45th or 44th certified or finisher of the 50 states. And now they're up, I think almost over 2000. So I finished in October of 2006. That was when my friend David and myself finished. Wow. That's really cool to be able to go through that process, but I'm sure, and you'll tell us about that. The planning for something like that must be very difficult. So You were mentioning you finished this with your friend, David. Who came up with that idea? Was it your idea, his idea, or how does an idea like that even develop? Well, I moved to Denver from Los Angeles in 1995. And the uh, corporate office I worked at here had a, uh, you know, a fitness center and showers in the basement. And there was a few people that would run at lunchtime. So I jumped in on that. And David would go to lunch. I didn't know him at the time. And he'd come up in his car when we were finishing our run. And he'd go, what are, you, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're running. So he started running with us. And him and I became best friends. Um, and I said, you need to do a marathon. And so we signed up for the Los Angeles Marathon. Um, can't remember what year. Probably ni like 1998, maybe one of those years. And, and then we did steamboat Colorado steamboat Springs. And then he signed up. I said, you got to do New York because New York is phenomenal. It's a, you know, really awesome race. And, uh, we were walking up to the Verrazano Narrows bridge and he goes, let's, uh, let's do one of these things in all 50 States. And I said, all right, okay, I'll do that with you. <laughs> I, and I started questioning why I even agreed to that. Uh, but we made that commitment to each other. It took us eight and a half years, had one year where I had back surgery and one year. And that same year, I think he had a shoulder issue or something. So we didn't run much that year, but we completed in eight and a half years. Our planning was terrible because, you know, when you start running these things, you just say, oh, there's one there, there's one there. You sign up for it and you go, well, I was at my 49th state. Uh, and I had one more to go and it took me a year to run that because of our terrible scheduling. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some people really plan it out. Well, we didn't, but we got it done and, um, you know, it was pretty amazing crossing the finish line in Rhode Island. Uh, that was where we finished up and, um, knowing that accomplishment was behind us and, and what we set out to do and what we finished. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. So did you set yourself some kind of loose time limit? You're, you said you finished it in eight years, but then obviously you can't predict whether or not you're going to have a back surgery or whatever going on. One of those years, did you say we want to ha have this happen within 10 years, five years, or how was that set up? Nope. We just 
signed up for one in one state and and would run it. <laughs> there, there was no logical, <laughs> strategical plan to how we were approaching these 50 states. <laughs> it just, you know, <laughs> probably wow. could have got it done a little bit quicker if we would have planned better. Um, but you know what? At that time, it's interesting. Delaware, they had to, uh, they didn't really have a marathon in Delaware. So when they put one on, we had to jump in on that one. And even Rhode Island, um, they had one there, but um, I don't know if that's still in existence or not. But this one came up and it was, you know, in a perfect time period for us. But, you know, at that time, marathons were not as popular as they are now. Running was not as popular as it is now. Um, so it was a little bit more difficult. However, it was a lot cheaper. I remember signing up for the <laughs> New York marathon. And I think, uh, well, the first year I did it in 91 and 92. And I think it was probably about $35, $40 entry to get in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a lot different too. You didn't do it through, there was no internet at that time. So you had to send in a postcard and you didn't know if you got accepted or not till around August and you send it in around May. Oh my goodness. Um, so, you know, it was a lot cheaper. Uh, David and I, because both of us were in a corporate environment, traveled for business. So we shared rental car, shared hotel room. So that cut down a lot of costs. Plus traveling a lot, you have miles. And so there was times where you could use miles. And then also some of the business trips could... Um, plan it towards the end of the week in the area that you were going to run the marathon in. So that flight was pretty much covered because you were on business travel. Oh, nice. Nice. So we planned better planning to get to these things than we did planning to, to run these things, you know, which state to run. Right. Right. So after those marathons or even the 101 marathons, which three were your favorites and why? My favorite marathon uh, to this day is St. George, Utah. I love that marathon. Um, and the reason why I love that marathon is it's very well organized. Um, they bus you up. It's a point to point. They bus you up in the morning and they have all these uh, ready to light uh, bonfires. So when you get off, it's chilly up there because it's an October race and it's it's in a little bit of altitude and uh, so when you get off the bus they're lighting these bonfires to keep warm and you start right before the sun comes up and as you're running um, the sun starts hitting the red rocks and the vistas are just absolutely breathtaking um, I can't even tell you how wonderful that was to me and striking that was to me and uh the other part uh is there's a lot of downhill in it so you have to train downhill i think once you get to around mile 12 then there's a lot of downhill from there the rest of the race but it's just a gorgeous beautiful race so that's my favorite out of mm -hmm. all of them um you know what um i love chicago I thought Chicago was a great race. Um, and, and same with New York. I thought that was a good race. Um, 
you know, there's some smaller races. I remember running um, Mount Rushmore and we started right next to, you know, the presidents looking to the right of us. And, uh, you know, you'd see Mount Rushmore and you're like, wow, you know, I, I saw this in pictures, but to see it in person is so amazing. And, uh, you know, to run in, in South Dakota like that is, is pretty awesome. Um, uh, so, so those are some of my favorites, but what I really, really liked, um, when I was doing these 50 States too, and this is a little bit of segue off of your question was going to these small communities and it, these marathons were so important to these communities. Um, one of them, uh, is an example is Abilene, Kansas. Um, I remember that it's in the middle of nothing. It really, there's nothing there. And so you, you start off and you're out there and, you know, crowd participation, not much of anything. I mean, maybe about mile 12, there's somebody dressed in a cow outfit waving. To you. <laughs> That's about it. Um, but they took that marathon to heart in that community. They had, um, volunteers that were cooking the pasta dinner and this was real pasta dinner stuff these are this is homemade and they would come up to you and they would say where are you from we are so glad that you're here and you know have a great time and welcome to our community and it was so heartwarming to be able to have that experience and then crossing the finish line they had you know, community people come up to you. How do you feel? Are you feeling okay? Do you need any help with anything? We're so appreciative of you being here and running this rate. You did a great job. We're so blown away. Mm -hmm. I mean, those type of races and, and there was other ones, the smaller ones that, that we did that were similar to that. And it was just, just an amazing, um, amazing time to visit those communities. And these are communities that I would never, ever have been to in my entire life if I was not a marathon runner. Yeah, absolutely. Because why else would you go to Aberdeen, Kansas? Yes, that's true. Why would you? <laughs> uh, maybe you could go see the Eisenhower, you know, he was born, I think his childhood home was there. If you're into that, you can go check that out. But uh that's about all. That's about all that it's recognized for. And it's, you know, in the middle of Kansas. And you know what Kansas is like if you ever drove through there. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's beautiful how running these races opened your world and got you all these new experiences and memories that last for life just by having completed that and having been open-minded to go to places that otherwise you would have never seen. You're you're right. And in front of me, um, uh, I have I just have one uh, on the wall, but it's a quilt and I'm looking at it right now. And it has uh, it was put together with my race T-shirts, you know, from these different races. So I'm looking at this big quilt that I have on the wall. And it's a lot of the reason it's on the wall is because it's great soundproofing for the podcast. I was just thinking that. <laughs> And I have another one that's in the closet too, but um, I, don't, I don't even know how many t-shirts are on this. There must be maybe 20 or something like that. But, you know, I'm looking up at these races, Atlanta, the Eisenhower Marathon in Abilene, Casper in Wyoming, Delaware, 
Louisville and Kentucky, Vermont City. I mean, just to look at these, each one of those has a this amazing memory to me. And it takes me back. It's kind of like listening to a, when you hear a song on the radio, that's maybe 15 years old. And it, it kind of takes you right back to that moment in time. Well, that's what this does for me. Right, right. Now you make me wish I hadn't uh, thrown out all my race shirts. <laughs> well, I, you know, I did throw out some of them. Um, I have most of my bibs. I have every single medal from every marathon uh, that I've done. I used to, used to have them, uh, you know, in a room hanging, but uh, now they're just in a box, but I'll, I'll never get rid of those. And as a matter of fact, um, I, I hope, uh, you know, that uh, when the day comes where I am no longer here, that uh, maybe they can uh, cremate my medals with me. Yeah, because you want to take them with you. I know, I know what that feels like. I have mine too. Those are the only things that I kept from from my races, and uh, you know, it's they hang on my wall too. It's just something that um, you have your memories, and seeing those medals triggers those memories. And it's not just the race; it's uh, everything that came with it, the people you hung out with, the things you exchange, the food that you ate, all of those experiences. Um, it's, it, those are wonderful triggers for those memories. Oh, it is. So now when you look at these shirts or the quilt or the medals, which of these, which three of these were your worst three experiences when it came to this whole venture of doing 50 marathons in 50 states? Um, a lot of it has, has to do with correlation of the actual course itself. Um, a couple, a couple of these, um, it was the first Vegas marathon that I did and it was extremely small. It's not like it is now down on the strip. They bust you out into this. I don't know where the heck it was. Um, and I, <laughs> I remember that, uh, the first half just hammering it. And it was a great race. But the problem was, is that, you know, I imploded after the half and, uh, you know, I still had a decent time, but uh, it was, it was a death march, the second half. But the problem with that race was, is it, you know, all you could see is the strip way out in a distance. That's all your view was the entire race. Um, the Delaware uh, marathon I did that one and um, that was four loops. So you, you were, you went by the finish line four times and that messes with your head um, because, you know, you're, you get past the first one and you see the finish line and then you get, you've got to do it again and again and again. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and mentally it just, and it, it, and it's, you know, wasn't a great course. Um, they just put this one together. I, it's probably a lot better now. Um, uh, I assume, um, another one that was really rough, um, was the Mount Rushmore marathon. First seven miles were downhill and then, um, then it leveled off, but the last probably 13, 14 miles were all uphill and it finished uh, in front of Crazy Horse, which is a, um, another, you know, thing that they've been working on for years. Who knows if they'll ever finish that monument. Um, and that was for the last mile. It was completely uphill. 
Um, wow. I mean, we're talking, we're not talking just a gradual uphill. We're talking about a major uphill and it, I think it was raining too. So that was, that was kind of, uh, kind of miserable, but you know what? Uh, those, those are just three. I could probably tell you three more, but, um, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It mattered at the time you were running the race because you're like, Oh man, this really sucks. This course sucks. And then when you cross the finish line, doesn't matter because you have your medal, you finish the race and you just feel a great sense of pride. So all that is behind you. But those are races that I probably at that time would not recommend to anybody because they were, you know, they weren't that great. Yeah, they sound a little bit gruesome, but um, yeah. like you said, you know, it's it's curious that you mentioned Mount Rushmore and your good experiences and your best experiences, because probably while at the time it felt gruesome to run those miles back uphill after running downhill, the fact that you remember all the good stuff about it, too, is uh, something that I think we runners do. We curse while we're running at mile 22 and then we cross the finish line and swear off all marathons. And then two days later <laughs> we sign up for the next one. Oh, it wasn't even two days later. It was like two hours later you come across. <laughs> I'm not running another marathon. All right, let's look and see which one we have to sign up for. <laughs> so that said, um, you know, it makes us feel pretty positive about people being able to get through these 50 marathons and 50 states because you're not giving yourself a timeline and it's going to just be a life goal, something that you can do on your bucket list. So for people that are interested in doing that, what are some tips on how to execute this best? Um, I'm not sure there's any, probably the planning phase of it would be what we could have done better and maybe, you know, cut a year or two off of our, our, or, uh, well, we didn't have a goal, but uh, the years it took us to complete them, um, that would probably be it because, you know, the experiences were just amazing. I think anybody that has an, an idea or an intention that they want to do all 50 states, you know, it may be monumental, but just take one at a time. And, you know, if you like marathons, um, You know, some people do them and don't like them and some people do them and do like them. Um, and if you if you have that goal, um, you know, just stick with it and, and just take one piece at a time, just like a marathon. You can't say, oh, my gosh, 26.2 miles is so much. You have to break it down. You know, when you're when you're looking at it, you do mile by mile, just get to the next mile and for races just get to the next marathon after you're done with one. And um, there's a lot of cr uh, craziness in, in this 50 state venture. There's people that have done, done it numerous times. There's people that have been, they have 800 to over a thousand marathons under their belt. Um, you know, done the state several times, uh, uh, finish and finish them. Um, if you're that crazy, then, you know, you're on a whole different level than a human being. Is. Um, but if you're just looking at a bucket list, I want to finish all 50 states, just put, put it together. And, you know, another, another thing that I would recommend is definitely find a buddy to do it. I mean, if David wasn't my friend and we didn't have this goal together to finish all 50 states, you know, you can lose your interest because you've got to motivate yourself. And if I was down a little bit, you would pick me up and vice versa. 
you know, and both of us have this memory that we can always share together and we know what it was like and other people don't. It's hard to explain marathons and running marathons and all of that to people, you know, people just don't, they, they can't grasp it unless you do it. You can't grasp it. Um, and I'm sure you've had that when you told people, Hey, I just did this marathon. Well, how far was that? 26.2 <laughs> miles. And then you say, you know, and I did this last week or a month or two ago. And they'll say, well, how far was that one? <laughs> 26.2 miles. That's what a marathon is. <laughs> so, no, you know, so true, yeah. it's, it's, it's a self, um, you know, you, you, you got to look at yourself in these things and you have to have that accomplishment for yourself. It's not like, uh, you know, winning the Super Bowl where the whole world sees you and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're this uh, super athlete, superhero. You finish a marathon and it's for you. Everybody has their own story, their own reason why they're running that race, why they're at that start line uh, and why they go across the finish line and what their reason is and feeling is when they cross that finish line. It's personal experience. It's nothing more than that. No, that's awesome. And um, it's just like you said, you know, it's awesome to have the running community, including your podcast listeners, because they're the only people that actually care about how your marathon went. You have family and they are very loving and supportive, but it's hard to talk to non-runners about the details of you hitting your split paces for an, a certain amount of miles and what it felt like to not hit them anymore, et cetera. So, you know, that's when runners really need each other. And um, you're right. I think that's a really great tip for people that do want to set out and do that goal. They can join friends or they can join at this point, you know, everything that's available at our fingertips, Facebook groups of 50 marathon runners. I'm sure there's a lot of those out there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's a ton of stuff on the 50 State Running Club uh, site, uh, you know, a lot of resources and, uh, you know, Facebook pages, just just like you said, it's, uh, you know, it, you're, you're spot on with what you just said. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Jim. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Jim. And thank you again, Jim, for talking with me and sharing your amazing running experience with us, especially at a time where we all are willing and eager to sign up for more races. Because guess what, Ryan? What? Races are back. Oh, for the most part. There's probably still places it's not back, right? Australia. I'm sorry. Australia is not back yet. But Are all the other races back? I mean, most of them seem to be back, so... Yeah, it's kind of a slow return, not as exciting as you might make it out to be. It was very exciting to stand at the starting line of the Berlin Marathon with the hashtag, we are back, and run that cheer with your supporters and high-five little children on the course, so... Gotcha. It's back. Okay. All right. So you guys have a great week of running, and hopefully... Within the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some race recaps from Boston. And, and until next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.